Welcome to An Hour of Our Time, the podcast where we pick a topic, research it, and then tell you what we learned. This week, we are going to discuss Area 51, a brief history of what we know about the development of the base, some conspiracy theories, and a number of cool aircraft we know flew around Area 51. I'm Mark. I'm Dave. I'm Joe. All right. All right. Aliens and shit, but mostly not. In fact, entirely not. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Woo. I watched a show yesterday that was like, America's Book of Secrets, Area 51. <laughs> Rumors about aliens have been circulating for decades. Will we ever know the truth? And then like that was the whole documentary. They didn't talk about anything. Well... We're gonna talk about it. <laughs> well, well, I think I, I I stumbled upon. I didn't watch it, but when I was searching for some things to look at, there's an ancient alien episode about Area 51. So are there probably that's that's definitely some bullshit. Is there multiple? That's not ancient. I think. I mean, there was only one that popped up, and I didn't click on it for fear that my YouTube feed would become just basically a toilet bowl. Yeah. Well, we've discussed on this podcast in the past how YouTube is terrible, and. If you watch a thing that's like the least bit fringe, you're you're down the rabbit hole quick. We're I'm not saying don't like watch whatever you want and evaluate the claims and you know you know whatever. But Dave is talking about yeah curating your own social media to have the experience that you want, which is obviously everyone's entitled to do. Yeah. They well, we talked about this in another episode but the the joke about YouTube's old algorithm like years ago was that it would inevitably lead you to Gangnam style because it emphasized <laughs> yes. here's a video you watched, here's a more popular video that's related. So eventually you would get to the most popular video which for a for years was the Gangnam Style video, which you probably remember from, right. I don't know, a decade ago. Then they reversed it completely 180, and it was, here's a more obscure video that relates to what you just watched. So it would they realized that he was quickly getting people to hollow earth shit. <laughs> right. And, and whatnot. Now it's like, Somewhere in between, but still terrible. So you're saying that it used to be like three degrees of separation to Gangnam style, and yes. now it's three degrees separation to like Infowars. It 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 was apparently it was worse than it is now, but it is still bad now. TikTok is like the one that's really awful, where if you like something that's uh, or yeah, like something or watch videos that's like sort of fringe that you are getting a nazi shit like very quickly but anyway well i guess a good segue to what we're talking about so we want to talk about area 51 space nazis yeah um mostly because you know in recent years there's been more and more information to kind of explain what area 51 actually is 
But it's interesting to also talk about the reasons why a conspiracy theory grew and grew over the decades mm-hmm. of there being, you know, aliens at Area 51 and the government covering all that up. So Area Area 51 is an interesting topic. But I I didn't really know what I didn't know about it because this is so conflated with levels and levels of other conspiracy theory stuff. This is a topic where, you know, we usually like to pick something that we are interested to learn more about, but don't know very much about. This is a topic where I happen to kind of know a lot about it. Um, Not as much as I do now after studying it for prepping for this, but I used to be really into conspiracy theories. I've mentioned this. So I was all about this. And, you know, I believed uh, anything that you would tell me about Area 51, that, you know, the aliens are there and all this stuff. The other thing that drives me to this, and I sort of realized remembering things as I was studying, is that I was born on an Air Force base. Uh, my father's in the Air Force, and I was really interested in airplanes for, you know, my my young life. So talking about some of these real things <laughs> at Area 51, I already, already kind of knew something about. Well, Joe, can we, can we start by talking about conspiracy theories for a minute? Because oh, I absolutely. found an article from Time Magazine in 2019 called, Why Are Area 51 Conspiracy Theories So Popular? Here's What Psychologists Say. Mm-hmm. And I want to read two paragraphs from this article because I think that we can kind of like draw a line back to any conspiracy aspects we talk about to these points. Yes. Um, this article was written by... Jeffrey Kluger. When was this written with this article? 20, 2019, right around the time that the storm area 51 uh, with the tagline. This is why I let's was see asking. The, the tagline of that uh, storm area 51 movement was let's see them aliens. Uh, let's see them aliens. And then what do you remember what else people wanted to go do when they got to area 51? Well, part of it was like they can't stop all of us was like the other slogan. Right? Uh, they were going to get into area 51 to find an alien girlfriend to clap them alien cheeks. Oh, uh, clap them alien cheeks. Quote, quote, unquote. Well, the funny thing is that they definitely can stop all of you. (laughs) And probably will. Not if you you Naruto run. What the hell is a Naruto? Is it when you you read Spanish poetry as you run? No, Naruto is uh, is an anime, but... Oh, I was doing Pablo Naruto. Naruto running is... Do you know the weird kid? The weird kid on the playground who (laughs) bent, bent his head down and arms out to the side and run like head first. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me let me read these two paragraphs. Uh, I think this is interesting. In some ways, Area 51 rumors have a lot in common with other conspiracy theory throughout history. According to a 2017 paper in Current Issues in Psychological Science by psychologist Karen Douglas of England's University of Kent and her colleagues, nearly all conspiracy theories satisfy three basic needs. They provide understanding and certainty— Mm-hmm. They create a sense of control and security, and they improve a believer's self-image. All of those three needs tumble together neatly. As a rule, humans can't abide nagging uncertainty. So any answer to a mystery, even an outrageous one, is better than none at all. With that comes a greater sense of knowledge and safety. 
And since that knowledge is not held, or at least believed by most people, there is a feeling among those who do believe that they are part of a uniquely well-informed minority. And boy, do we get a lot of that with the pandemic, right? Yes. But I think that like that's the interesting thing. The article also makes an- another point that I want to point out. Um, uh, I'll just read this paragraph too. Also setting Roswell apart, so talk about Roswell, New Mexico, which relates to Area 51 conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Also setting Roswell apart is that nearly all other conspiracy theories require some inciting incident. There were no truthers until 9-11. There were no birthers until President Obama rose to fame. It took actual moon landings before people started whispering that they were all made up. But tales of aliens have been, but tales of aliens have long been with us. Mm-hmm. It goes on to talk about you know, television and movies is sort of perpetuated that. But the idea that like this, you know, the JFK assassination, right? Well, the assassination had to happen for the conspiracy theories to exist. This sure. is an example of conspiracy theories built on basically nothing. Yeah, uh, at least so, not based me, on nothing, the, but. Sorry, For but- me, this is kind of like um, ancient aliens or like religion or something where, <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense. It's got to be this completely implausible thing, uh, but uh, you can't prove it, so don't look for it. Yeah, well, it's like, right. it's like Dave said, there's, you know, certainty. So, you know, uh, and an easy, an easy answer. And then feeling in a communal aspect, in a communal aspect, and then feeling like you have more information than the sheeple or just the people that are not aware of the the conspiracy. Again, it just sounds like we're talking about the like all the conspiracy theories around the COVID vaccine. Well, yeah, it's all the same. I mean, the problem is with I mean, and and the pandemic supercharged conspiracy theories. Um, We're going to be dealing with that that plus social media. Yeah, we're going to be dealing with the effects of that. For years, because what do you what did you have? You had a terrifying situation um, with no easy answer. I mean, you know, we have all, a lot of conversations, even you know, even now about you know what what level of comfort or quote unquote return to normal should we have? I think reasonable people disagree on you know what level of comfortability individuals have and and what should the government's current response be and things like that. But it's complicated. Like you have you have to admit that. But if you instead don't want it to be complicated, then instead you can accept this conspiracy theory that the government is trying to force these vaccines on us for nefarious purposes. And then within five years, everyone that got it's going to drop dead or whatever. Well, and and in the case of Area 51, it would have been totally plausible for the government, especially in recent years, to just sort of come out and dispel all of that. But the truth is, because they are doing secret shit yeah. at Area 51 that is highly classified, especially during the Cold War, it was probably a lot better to let people believe nonsense than for them to get close to the truth. Yeah, I think there's this information. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's well, But some... they made it up. To, like, but like, it wasn't the government's fault. They're just going like, yep, okay, whatever. Aliens, cool. Yeah, it was partially their fault. <laughs> I think there's three main reasons why these conspiracies propped up that Area 51. The first one, which we will get into, is that they were testing exotic technologies. They just happened to be... That makes complete sense to yeah, me. Yeah, they just happened to be man-made. And I yeah. don't know why that, why that fact in itself is like I, pissing everybody off. They just off. happened to be man-made. Uh, the second, because they want to believe that it's aliens, not that. <laughs> the second factor is um, is the secrecy. 
because they didn't e they would not even admit that this place existed even though up until fairly recently you could go up on a ridge and look at it and then third um during the time the time period that we're going to be talking about during the founding of area 51 in the in the 50s was right around the time when ufos and flying saucers and science fiction were becoming extremely popular mm -hmm. yeah so i think those three factors combined get you to <laughs> naruto running I'm curious as to what extent like UFOs and stuff were really in the cultural zeitgeist. Like I'm into it and I read a, a bunch of UFO related books and stuff like that. And a lot of it is sightings in the fifties and sixties. But I think by the fifties they were, is it the way that it's presented? Like were people talking about it and seeing stuff and like, well, um, I mean, Roswell became really pretty sensitive. Roswell became pretty sensationalized and that was in what? 47. Mm -hmm. I think by the the 1950s, that it was like the height of you know ufo fever because there was also at the same time you had fears um of the cold war and the you know quote unquote soviet menace um you're just a few years out from the space race uh beginning so yep. you know there was a lot going on by the late 50s and 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 60s that um tv movies comic books lots of ufos in popular culture well, can anybody give us a little bit of a history lesson? Like, what is Area 51? I got some some good info on here, and I'll, I'll break it down. Yeah, go All for right, it. Break it down, Mark. So here, here are some things that we do know about. Yeah, Area this is 51. a real place. Yeah. It is a top-secret military base. It goes back to 1955. It's about 4,800 square miles of restricted airspace. It's out in the middle of the desert in southwest nevada it is in the middle of the desert emphasis emphasize that um it's shrouded in layers of secrecy and security and has become an element of modern mythology and spurred a huge amount of conspiracy theory so we can pepper those in as we mm -hmm. can though um, one thing i want to point out mark just real quick before you go on like yeah. uh like you pointed out we do know about this place and we know a lot about it because there was a, a Freedom of Information uh, Act request that was filed in 2005 that that succeeded, and the government had to declassify some information. Those documents were pretty heavily redacted, but they basically admitted at that point that this place existed. Then in 2013, um, there was a, another uh, uh, Freedom of Information Act request that— um, uh from that i'm sorry another admission from that same request that had the same documents or a lot of the same documents that were not redacted that explain yeah. some of the history that we're going to talk about some of the different sources had a little bit different information but we'll we'll give the gist of this yeah there's still secrecy the yeah. date or whatever is that important yep um, I have here that in 2013, some CIA documents were declassified and released that tell a little bit more about the development of Area 51 and that it um, grew out of the government absorbing a bunch of land around the Nevada test range mm -hmm. where they detonated some nuclear bombs and whatnot in the later 40s. Yeah, it's part of a complex um, with a Nellis Air Force Base, which is 
like near Las Vegas. Yeah. There's also this area called Groom Lake. It's a dry lake bed, mm-hmm. um, basically an open expanse of land. But this area was important because they needed a place to test the new U-2 aircraft. Yep. Basically, that's where this came from. Yeah, the, the Groom Lake, the dry lake bed is a really great thing to use as a runway because it's super yeah. flat. That makes sense. In 1954, Eisenhower approved Project Aquatone. Did you say Aquatone? Aquatone. Aquatone. Okay. Yeah. A lot of these projects have some kind of cool name. Yeah, they have really cool that names. That sounds like a, <laughs> like a prog rock band. It sounds like a toothpaste. Yeah. Um, so this was supposed to be a collaboration between Lockheed, the Air Force, and the CIA. And they wanted to make a new airplane that would fly fast enough and high enough to peer over the Iron Curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, the U-2 is capable of flying over 70,000 feet in altitude, higher than any other plane at the time. Yep. Uh, but when one was shot down and captured by the Soviets in 1960, it was kind of deemed obsolete in the development of more advanced aircraft. Yeah, Gary Powers. Again. I think that they didn't, at, when that first happened, they didn't even admit to the public what he was flying, I think. Um, they were still trying to retain secrecy, even though like they called it a a weather flight. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That blew off course or something, but he was squarely over the Soviet Union. They did get it back, and that was a major point in one. Of, I would say like one of the major sort of crisis points during the the Cold War. Um, so you were talking about how f- high up the U two flew. Commercial airlines today typically fly around 40,000 feet. At this point, commercial airlines only flew at about 20,000 feet. And some people didn't even think that airplanes could fly as high as the U-2 could. So the general public certainly didn't think that this was possible. So commercial airline pilots are seeing this thing that's flying, you know, half, half again as high as they're flying and it's moving very fast and a lot of people think that this was the genesis of a lot of ufo sightings i think that's extremely yeah people likely. people were seeing weird weird stuff in this area mm-hmm. pretty regularly yeah. but we know now that there are tests of these secretive aircraft um there's a guy named kelly johnson who is lockheed's u2 project lead mm-hmm he nicknamed um, this area that became Area 51 Paradise Ranch yes. kind of as a joke and partly to try to entice workers to the area. Yeah, they wanted people to come out there because you got to, it's pretty remote. So even today, well, we can get into it. You're in the middle well, of the desert. He was uh, involved in the so called Lockheed Skunk Works. It was a, a pseudonym of the Lockheed Advanced Development Programs. Mm-hmm which included stuff like the P-38 during World War II, uh, the P-80, America's first jet fighter, um, the uh, SR-71 that we'll talk a little bit more about. The P-38 Mustang. The, uh, the uh, F-22 Raptor, the F-117 Stealth Fighter, and the F-35 Lightning II. That's a pretty current plan. That, which is Yoo-hoo. a giant boondoggle. Um. One of the things that I watch, I guess in 2017, I think Trump was giving a like a press conference with some 
Coast Guard people and made a, a comment and made a big deal about how he saw an F-35 and how they have technology now that it's supposed to be totally invisible and all this bullshit. I mean, it probably has some kind of stealth capability, but the way that they explained it, like he wasn't supposed to have said anything. Yeah, the F-35 which, uh, is technically like a publicly acknowledged air airplane, but it is our most advanced, um, what they call a fifth generation fighter. They definitely want to keep parts of it secret because it's, it's never seen combat. Right. Well, you just explained to me, or Mark, you just gave an example of how I know yes. there are not aliens at Area 51. That's exactly what I was Because thinking. if Trump was made aware of this, he would have tweeted that in a photo of his balls at the same time, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, 100%. That is how you know yeah. that there's not That's aliens you know. at Area 51. Because, yes, Donald fucking Trump would have, yeah, tweeted like, a hey, Jaina. Check out what we got, and it's him and a a selfie of him with the the flying saucer. You ever in your life told the wrong person a secret? You ever told a person with no without couth a secret? <laughs> yes, that shit's not staying a secret very long. Where's the pussy on this alien broad? <laughs> you want to clap them cheeks? Grab grab it by the tentacles. Yeah. Now we joke about Trump, That's my but Trump like voice. you do bring up a really good point about conspiracy theories in general. They require a level of coordination and people keeping their mouth shut that you know does not exist just by living amongst other human beings. This is also why I am like fairly confident that Oswald shot Kennedy as a lone gunman because if there was any other answer and there is one theory we've talked about that I think is interesting but there was really truly any other answer you know how hard it would be for that many people to keep that secret that long it's just it's implausible yeah ask anybody who does project management (laughs) (laughs) whether they could fake the moon landing (laughs) if the government cannot fix the massive amount of potholes on my street they cannot yeah. keep a secret about alien technology. That's a yeah, this, that's this gets into a point that I think I'll, I want to do want to bring up later when we maybe talk some more about the conspiracy theories. But do we want to talk about post U2 and some of the other projects that were there? Well, I was going to mention the A12 and the SR71. Yeah, okay. Um, the A12 ox cart, ox cart is a higher, faster, bigger version of the U2, and it Looks pretty similar, but it, it evolved into the SR-71 Blackbird. Uh, we know it was tested at Area 51 and is a huge leap in technology compared to the U-2. Mm-hmm. And the the SR-71 still holds the the world's fastest manned flight record set back in 1976. It's such a cool-looking airplane, man. Like They haven't they made ha- it. They have one at the uh, Wright-Pat Air Force mm-hmm. Base. And going there, it always blows my mind seeing how quickly airplanes developed in like 60 oh, years, yeah. comparing the right flyer to that fucking thing. Right. It's crazy. Do that. And I can see why people are like, oh, alien technology, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. We, but if we've got computer developments, aerospace, uh, space stuff going on, obviously all of those things are going to develop exponentially. Yeah. You go exactly. from That's the thing. If, manned flight to uh, supersonic high altitude flight within a few decades it's amazing right but if you put money and time into technology yeah it, it will advance sure. exponentially my favorite 
like fact about the SR-71, just really quick about this airplane. And if you've never seen the Black, it was nicknamed the Blackbird. If you've never seen this thing, like it's the it's the X-Men's X-Jet. Like that's oh, what they based yeah. it off from the, 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 the old animated series. This airplane um, was flying at such high speeds that it would actually heat up the metal and metal expands when it heats up. So apparently the plane was like fairly unwieldy um, to fly at low speeds. But once it got up to its cruising speed, the metal expanded on the joints of the airplane and it flew better because they, they had to leave leeway for um, the metal to expand. And the pilot said that it, it flew better. It's sort of like, you know, kind of like eased in once it got up to the, um, the top or not the top speed, but you know, it's speed that it would be going on for its missions. I just think that's right. really cool. <laughs> hmm. um, a couple of the things that I watched or read to do my research kind of um, focused on this point that planes like the SR-71 were so advanced that they were out of the average person's frame of reference. For sure. And it's it's easy to jump to some kind of conclusion that, oh, that's a UFO yeah. or we must have had some kind of like top secret technology to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, like, sure. And like we said that people didn't even think that planes could fly that high. One of the, po- I listened to a podcast, I think, and they were talking about how in the like turn of the century trains got a lot faster and people like were not used to seeing a train go that fast. And there were a huge amount of train accidents mm. mm-hmm. Interesting, because it was just not in people's, frame of reference to like get out of the way mm-hmm. quick enough i guess i don't know did you did example. you read about tagboard sort of the next project so tagboard was the the next project or it kind of was going on sort of concurrently with um with oxcart so again oxcart was the sr71 the the next evolution of spy plane after the u2 so after gary powers u2 was shot down there were discussions about turning the A-12, which is the the um, predecessor, the experimental predecessor to the SR-71, turning it into an unmanned drone. Now, we're very used to drone um, aircraft in the modern day, but this was a, a new concept. But um, they realized that the aircraft was too complicated to, to convert it into a drone. But they funded a study where the uh the uh, sr-71 could you could uh be like the launcher of a drone which was um given the designation the d21 and this was project tagboard unfortunately like the little and again you should look this up the little drone never successfully launched off the back of this thing then they thought, well, maybe it's going too fast, and they'll try launching it off the back of a B-52, and it, it didn't work either. So they they pretty quickly gave up on this project. So this is another thing where, with t- talking about t- technology, they were so far ahead of their time on a lot of these things because they were pouring <laughs> massive amounts of money into these projects and taking huge risks on unproven technology. Sometimes they were successful, like with, supersonic spy planes sometimes a lot of time maybe even most of the time we'll we'll never know about a lot of the failures they were unsuccessful like this tagboard project 
I watched a a documentary program. It was like a Smithsonian show on the Paramount app. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was three three episodes about atomic weapons development type things, and the one episode was about sort of other secret government programs and how in the early '60s they launched all of these like unmanned photo satellites Mm -hmm. to take pictures of the Soviet Union. And it's something that was covered up until fairly recently. I mean, the government is doing all kind of experimental shit all the time because it behooves them to be on the cutting edge. Like even today I saw a news article. It was like breaking news that somebody spotted what they think is like a Chinese spy satellite over the Northwest United States. Mm -hmm. Like this is still, still happening. And Mm. it doesn't seem like far fetched or weird to me that competing governments would want to do that, especially in the cold. Yeah. Well, you bring up spy satellites with the advent of satellites and the space race. Then the U2, the SR 71, the spy planes become obsolete. Because why would you fly an airplane over enemy airspace, which could potentially start a war, when you can just put up a satellite? Yeah, it's a lot easier. Um, well, let, let's get back to Area 51. Yeah. Um, it is the most secure and classified military base in the country. We know that pretty much for sure. Um, the government has tried to remove any indication of it from published maps. Um, I learned about an incident in uh, 1974 where Skylab accidentally took a photo of the base. Yep. Whoops. And there was a debate between the Defense Department and NASA about whether or not to release the photo. And Area 51 was stipulated as the only place in the country that NASA was not supposed to photograph. Yeah, that's wild. Um, the photo eventually was not classified, but no one called attention to mm-hmm. it until somebody found it in like 2006. Yeah. It's really amazing. Well, one of their arguments uh, for declassifying it was that the Soviets have photographs of this place from their satellites. We knew about that, but also um, not trying to keep a secret, I think, is less obvious than somebody knowing that there's a secret document, I guess. Right. Um, Yeah. There were some other projects from Area 51 that uh, I wanted to talk about too. If we want to hear about them, yeah. this is I love you know I love my little like rabbit holes where I get to like a completely different topic. Area 51 ties in with Top Gun. Uh, not the okay. not the movie, the actual the uh, actual Navy, academy Navy Academy that the movie is yeah. based on. So one of the major projects at Area 51 was developing new aircraft, but another major project was testing enemy aircraft. So there are several different projects where they were testing uh, Soviet fighter planes that they acquired through various different means. These projects... So you get get like a MiG, and then you can put your planes up against it? That's exactly what they did. They did mock dog fights out in the desert over Groom Lake. So these projects were known as Have Donut, Have Drill, and Have Ferry. Um, so there was um, 
these are beginning in the 1960s and going on uh actually to today there was an incident from 2017 that i'll talk about um that they sort of try to cover up like all of this um there was a they acquired a mig 21 from iraq uh, uh it, the Mossad, israel's special forces acquired a mig 21 um they used that then uh, this was in 1966 they used that to study. So they were then pitting our aircraft against the MiG-21. This helped them realize, um, I'm not going to go into all the details of these different projects, but one of the really interesting findings was that they pushed the limits of this aircraft, the MiG-21 and our aircraft, and realized that the MiG-21 was more maneuverable, but the F-4 Phantom, which was its American competitor at the time, was faster and had longer range of its weaponry. So when in Top Gun, even though they're not flying an F-4, when they talk about too close for missiles switching to guns, that is partly a reference to this incident. But because they were able to do that, they directly took the information from these projects and fed it into the Top Gun program, which is the Navy uh, dogfighting program. Um, during uh, the Cold War, this increased the kill ratio of the Navy pilots um, to 8.33 to 1. So we were shooting down basically 8.5 of their airplanes for every one of ours. The Air Force rate was only 2.83 to 1 because they were not, they didn't have their own Top Gun program. That's kind of hard to believe. And they must have done a, a good job with their testing and their training because yeah. both, to- I don't know if anybody's seen Top Gun Maverick. Uh, but I can tell you that both movies, the premise is the MIG is a whole lot better than our plane, so you better be the best. Yeah. and Because, again, the MIG is so much better. So that's not true. It, there was, but no, they no, but they were, really hammered home. Yeah, they were basically able to figure out its weaknesses and defeat it. Sure. So, again, yeah. again, we weren't fighting direct wars against the Soviet Union, but we were fighting a lot of proxy wars, specifically Korea, um, and other places. So anyway, yeah, that's um, that's one of the main things that they were doing was was testing. Uh, then also during the Vietnam War. So 2017, a uh, Air Force aircraft crashed at Area 51, which killed the pilot, Colonel Eric Schultz. The United States Air Force refused to comment on it or release any further information. Um, this was 2017. 2017. People are pretty sure that the reason why they wouldn't admit to what happened was because the pilot crashed a Soviet Su-27, the Su-27, which is one of um, one of Russia's most uh, advanced fighter planes at this time. And it's so much better than what we have that you better be the best. Uh, it's not. It's a. It's a. <laughs> it's a force. Tell them you're not going to be the best. So the aircraft that they were testing prob- probably was a Su-27, which is, again, you know, if you're not an airplane nerd, that is the Soviet fighter that is, like, kind of developed around the same time as our F-14, F-15, which is, like, the like last generation of fighters, but it's one that's, like, currently in service. So, again, they're testing our planes against it. So this work continues I hear, to this I hear day. that if you're good enough... I hear if you're good enough to fly that, then you're good enough to give Kelly McGillis the business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Of the night, I think <laughs> probably we we're all around the same age. Um, do you guys remember the first Gulf War? Like watching about that on the news. I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So I remember we watched those reports nightly because again my father was in the Air Force, uh, and he was um involved in the war. But um. You know, I think a lot of kids our age grew up being fascinated by the F-117. It's called F-117 fighter colloquially, but it's not a fighter aircraft. It's a bomber. But um, this aircraft was debuted, and the public became aware of it during the first Gulf War. Uh, it was used very effectively because it was the first um, stealth aircraft. So stealth aircraft are um, made up of materials that absorb radar. This uses a system where it's all weird and angular shaped. That's why it looked rad as fuck to me as a kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> those ra those angular surfaces, uh, the radar waves bounce off of them and away from the radar collection tower. So it makes it very hard to see on radar. It's not true that stealth aircraft do not appear on radar. They disappear smaller than the actual aircraft, uh, which is called their radar cross-section. Um, around the same time that the... Uh, so that was called... That project was called, was called Have Blue. There was another program called Tacit Blue where they were testing um, a smooth surface for a stealth aircraft. And if you look up the Tacit Blue aircraft, it doesn't look like a UFO, but it doesn't look like an airplane. It looks weird as hell. Um, TACIT, T-A-C-I-T. Um, and then around that same time also was when they developed the B-1 and B-2 bombers, um, which are <laughs> still in service. This TACIT blue plane looks like a uh, RV with wings on it. It does. Something. It looks like... It, um, it's weird. It looks like a Homer Simpson... <laughs> Designing our plane. Yeah. <laughs> the bubble car that he designed. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like to me. But uh yeah. It, but yeah. yeah. So it looks like they're just a, a new stealth plane that was quote unquote released well by the government like a couple weeks the, ago. The most recent airplanes that were probably tested at the um and the thing is one of the reasons that people like have a lot of conspiracy theories is that the F-117 was developed in the late 70s and 80s. So when we know about these aircraft, they are already like a decade or two old. So whatever, this is where like I will sound like a conspiracy theorist, but like whatever we know about now, they are developing already the next generation of aircraft. We just don't know what they are. But uh, the F-22 Raptor, which is a stealth air superiority fighter, and the F-35, which is also something called the Joint Strike Fighter. You've probably heard about this thing because it was a massive boondoggle. It's way over cost. Um, it's taken a lot longer to develop. It was the idea that the Air Force, the Navy, and the Army would all jointly develop one aircraft that would be used by all service branches, but it... Because of that, it's gone way over cost. But that is also a stealth aircraft. There was another project called Aurora that comes up in these 
conspiracy circles. Yes. But it's been, it's been around since like the late 80s, 90s, and was never officially released. Apparently, in any kind of capacity. Apparently, Aurora was a name given um, on a budget for. Uh, I do not remember what plane I had it in my notes um, for one of these planes that we've already talked about. I think it was the B2. Uh, and if you don't know about okay. the B2, that's the flying wing. That's a current um, current bomb aircraft that the, the U.S. uses. So, again, that does not look like a normal airplane. If you saw that flying overhead, I'm certain that it will look very bizarre. There's a lot of people that think the B2 specifically was responsible for a lot of um, UFO sightings in this area in the past you know, few decades. There's a Nazi plane that was captured called the Horton HO229 that looks pretty much like the B2. It does. Yep. Um, there was also mention in, in one of my sources of a Black Star space plane that was able to leave the atmosphere and come back kind of like a space shuttle type thing. But that's not a new concept either. There's the, the Jürgen Sanger Silbervogel. Um, designs of that exist from the 40s yeah there's a lot of speculation now as i was saying like okay well if the f-35 is you know public then what are they testing that we don't know about i think a lot of the speculation is um we do know that the u.s government is creating what would be called a sixth generation uh aircraft but those probably um, have more to do with like the computer systems in the cockpit, um, probably like unmanned, a lot of um, unmanned capability. There's a French design I looked at today that actually is like a, a manned aircraft that then has like drones that fly with it, which is like a video game. But Damn. yeah, but none of these are alien technology. In fact, I think a lot of the people that I read, um, their direct report or direct um, you know, reports about this, they're offended that people think <laughs> that the aliens built this stuff. Like, no, this sure. is good old, good old fashioned American know how is what the <laughs> the one guy said. So, yeah, but it's really fascinating. It just happens to not be aliens. Um. So we got all of these crazy planes flying around. The government often cites weather research or natural phenomenon to cover up the secret aircraft tests. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the base itself a little bit. Yeah. Mm. It is surrounded by fences, hidden sensors, remote cameras, and armed guards. Um, the area is so remote and hidden in the, in the, hidden in the desert that... The only place un unauthorized people are able to see any trace of the base is from a hilltop about 20 miles away. Okay. Um, well, well, you said until recently, right, Joe? Is that yeah, in 1995, they um, acquired some land that, were, that was uh, managed by the uh, Bureau of Land Management. Uh, I believe the nickname of that place was called Freedom Ridge. Because it was a kind of a mecca for um, UFO enthusiasts, quote unquote. Because you could walk on mm. the top of this hill and fucking look at <laughs> this base that at the time the government denied even existed. Okay. They kept buying land to make it more remote and harder for people to see. Yeah. 
Um, it's really weird because if you look at pictures of this, it's not like a big fence or, you know, big um, like towers with guys with machine guns. It's just kind of a road. And then up on the ridge, there's a bunch of white pickups, pickup trucks with tinted windows. Um, they're definitely, they know that people know that there are like sensors and things. And, uh, if you so much as cross the line, they will immediately intercept you. Deadly force is authorized for anyone trying to enter the base. Yes. And there are a bunch of warning signs that say that all along the perimeter fence and at the gates and stuff. And those have kind of become a tourist attraction in their yep. own right. Like people will go to the gate and see this stuff. Mm -hmm. And as long as you don't stay too long or try to get in or whatever, they're going to leave you alone. Yeah. People love um, to go and the, talk to the guards and try to like ask them questions. But these guys are all trained to, they won't, they won't say anything to you. Yeah. The one documentary that I watched talked about, I don't remember what year it was, but a guy drove a pickup through a gate in like eight miles past the fence. It's 2019. And then he got killed. Yep. Well, he pulled out, he pulled out an object, like an un unidentified object. And, and that's when they shot him. Yeah. You, well, what else is you have to know that that's going to happen to you. I mean, that's like, if you like try to like run across the white house lawn or something, right? I would think so. I don't know if he was attempting suicide by cop in a way or what, but yeah, you would think that that would be, you would kind of know what's going to happen to you, but and like you yeah. said, there are plenty of signs. Yeah. The uh, the hangars that are built at Area 51 are built in a way that a plane can quickly exit and enter to avoid being seen. Mm -hmm. um, a number of hangars have been built over the years, um, but they think that most of the complex is most likely underground. Yeah. Um, a 2005 Freedom of Information Act request. I think this was the one that you were talking about, Joe. Yeah. Didn't give a lot of information, but indicated tunneling projects in the area, in the area of Area 51. Mm -hmm. um, there was also a record about the Atomic Energy Commission at one time building a tunnel and a rail system there, probably to move industrial equipment underground. Yeah, this has led to more conspiracy theories that there's like, a tunnel or there's like this huge underground complex or that where they're keeping the aliens or that there's a tunnel that leads all the way to Las Vegas or, or you know, other places. There were some other declassified air force project documents that referenced a base at groom Lake. Mm -hmm. This most definitely means area 51. Um, we already talked about stealth technology uh, in the eighties, uh, highly secretive. And the, the mention of stealth brings up this idea of meta material. Mm. Uh, and it's long associated with supposed UFO technology and the cover up of it. Um, and this kind of links back to, um, Roswell crash as well, because, uh, the, some of the eyewitnesses claim to have seen weird, like metal foil that kind of acted like liquid and you could crumple it up and then put it down and it would flatten itself out again. Mm -hmm. Dope. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if I really believe that. Yeah. There was another pretty interesting claim in the uh, early 90s 
against the federal government where a lawsuit came out um, that civilian workers were exposed to toxic chemicals while working at Area 51, mm -hmm. like construction worker guys not in the military. And a lawsuit was brought about by several people, including Helen Frost, whose husband, Robert Frost. Is that um, the Robert Frost? The Robert Frost, poet and cancer victim. <laughs> Um, allegedly Christ. died poet laureate <laughs> it's not the same guy he the, the, <laughs> this robert frost guy and a different guy i forget what his name is allegedly died due to toxic chemical exposure walter Kaza. And this was the uh this was the old classic military burn pit yep. situation where mm. they were trying to dispose of this top secret like stealth material or whatever and were denied safety equipment um, they did biopsies the, of these these men and found that they their body fat contained um, a lot of toxic compounds like dioxin, which is yeah very toxic. Well, I'm not surprised at all that this happened no. because they're they're having burn pit lawsuit things from people in the military now, right? Yeah, you right. get into this situation with these black sites because they are creating this toxic waste. They have no way of getting rid of it because it, they're, you know, everything that comes in and out has to be done so secretly. So they're just burning. I'm not justifying it, but like this, this is the argument for, you know, less secrecy with these things because it gets you into this situation. I don't know. It well, sounds like case, you're justifying it, Joe. I'm saying they should not be burning toxic waste and not giving people proper uh, PBE. Big if true. Yeah. Well, this case went pretty high and was eventually thrown out by the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. um, we know a little bit about this, though, because there are some government... The government classified a number of documents to prevent them from being used as evidence in this trial. And then Clinton, when he was president, passed a bill that the EPA... I don't I'm not sure the detail if it could not test anything going on in Area 51 or could not release anything that it tested from the area of Area 51. The, but it has to be re-upped like every year. So yes. the government had to acknowledge the the existence of Area 51 um in some small way but was not specific in any other details about like where it is or what they do. That was the first time that they acknowledged that there was even a a facility there. Before this they were so secretive that they wouldn't they were they would deny that it was even there, even though you could look at it. So they they didn't call it the government doesn't call it Area Fifty One. That was like a you know a designation of land area on an old map, but they called it uh, Clinton's um, presidential uh, determination was uh, called it the Air Force's operating location near Groom Lake, Nevada, and it exempted it from all environmental disclosure laws. So we're seeing. Now with these, um, the the things where uh, former presidents and vice presidents have had top secret documents in their private residences, um, that the government tends to apply the classified label to a lot of things, probably things that don't need to be classified. In um. 
2017, this is another kind of interesting thing. There was a New York Times article that exposed the U.S. government program um, into the study of unidentified flying objects and aerial phenomena. This is ATIP, Mm -hmm. the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And um, it shows that the government has an interest in UFOs. And that's not a new thing either because we had... Uh, Project Blue Book and whatnot, Majestic 12, those were government programs designed to study this as well. And ATIP, at least, is not a top secret program. It's just not publicized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I learned a little bit more about it and that it is kind of, or was, it only went from 2007 to 2012, I think, and was a pet project of Nevada congressperson Harry Reid. Harry Reid. Who is, who is friends with um, Robert Bigelow, who is all, all into UFO research. He bought um, the Skinwalker Ranch mm-hmm. to do stuff there. Harry ah. Reid, former Senate. Um, he's he's now passed away, but he was Senate um, Democratic Senate leader. Very big fan of UFOs. This is another thing that if we had aliens at Area 51, Harry Reid would have declassified it. <laughs> Harry would have told someone before he died because he was very, very into this. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about Robert Bigelow for a second, um, our favorite 1995 alien autopsy factor fiction mm-hmm. comes into this. <laughs> yeah. Where um, it supposedly took place at Area 51. That show it was passed off as a legitimate thing but then the producer backtracked yeah. and claimed that the film was an artistic recreation of an actual legitimate film of an alien autopsy leaked by a government official but i read it was convoluted that and it doesn't really the matter shit out of me it, it looks it so out. good whatever it is it looks we, great we know it's a hoax do you know what most of like the guts and stuff are no it, it's like jello and dog food oh gross yeah Oh, I have yeah. it on DVD hosted by Jonathan Frakes. Fuck yeah. From Star Trek. And oh, he's yeah. like sitting on chairs. Weird. <laughs> um, but they, there was uh, this alien autopsy video was further investigated by some paranormal group associated with Robert Bigelow. And they claim that the alien autopsy film is real. So who the fuck knows? Well, I'm I'm pretty certain that this was debunked as a hoax. It, it, for well, publicity. it pretty clearly because it was on the Fox Network. Yeah. Um, mm. I think that um, one thing that so there's been a lot recently in the past few years about um, the government's knowledge of UFOs, and I think a lot of the news reports have been like pretty sensationalistic. Shocker was saying like the government admits that UFOs are real, or that's what people are taking from this. That's not that's not true. All that's yeah. been admitted are two things. One, the government. Two things that we know are true. One, the government and especially the military has vested interest in maintaining the U.S. airspace and investigating claims that might be related to uh, perhaps foreign governments doing what we know that we do, which is spying on them, possibly using you know satellites or advanced aircraft. Um, the other part of this is that the, at various different points in that, and most recently, uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand from New York has helped co-sponsor some legislation where the government will have to investigate. Uh, they don't call them UFOs anymore. 
um, unidentified aerial vehicles, I believe, or uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAPs. But what, what this basically shows us is that there's some high-profile UFOlogists that have sort of like gotten the ear of powerful people in government and gotten them to give money to their stupid pet projects. Uh, a couple of the guys uh, are were previously funded by Tom DeLong from Blink-182. Oh, right, yes. Um, who is big into this <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, yeah. anyway, just and next time you read one of these articles in, I think, like fairly reputable newspapers that are like, government admits that UFOs are real. No, government admits that they have projects where they are trying to catalog reports of UFOs. Considering that a lot of these sightings that ATIP looks at are from military pilots, yeah, sort of lends credibility to it. But uh, a UFO, as an unidentified, is definitely not the same as an alien thing. Right. That is a that is a a leap in logic that you need evidence to make. Well, I should have mentioned this earlier, but. Like in the in the sixties when we were experimenting with all these different kind of crafts, we built a, a few different circular aircraft yeah. that look like a UFO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't talk about those because I, I, I don't know a lot about. I them, don't think those were at mention, Area Fifty One. I could be wrong. I don't think so either. One of them was kind of like a hovercraft, yeah, kind of thing. So it's not quite the same, but seeing a thing like that that we know is real and drawing some kind of misinformed correlation doesn't seem weird to me at all. Um, this is sure. a weird time to insert this, but I, I just wanted to make sure I brought this up before we are done. Do you, do you guys, did you guys figure, find out how the contractors that work at area 15 would get there? Janet Don't they have Allen. to like blindfold them? They park like a ways away and then they have to like blindfold them and then take them there? No, or do they put them on a, really, a helicopter? It's really mundane. It's not like a secret tunnel. They get on an airplane, on a charter airplane at Harry Reid International Airport, which is the Las Vegas airport. And they fly there on a charter plane and they stay there from Monday to Friday and then they go home. <laughs> they got to close the windows on the airplane yeah. though when they're landing. It's, so it's they not like anything. more exciting than that. They don't have Just like exciting a, enough. Yeah, they don't have like the, a hyperloop under the ground that gets them there or what have you. The charter airline has the the name Janet Airlines and is is like a cover name. Yeah, but it's a government government funded airline. But they're all these uh, white with a red stripe planes, mm-hmm. and people started trying to investigate what they were. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing, like you know, the, the kind of like hobbyists with this. These are real airplanes. They have to have real signatures because they've talked to the air traffic control tower and stuff like that. So, like, you can watch this airplane take off and go fly to Area 51. Again, I think that's partly where the government sort of went wrong and I think contributed to all of these conspiracy theories developing is that they just, like, were telling people this place does not exist, even though, again, you can go look at it. Although sure. now you can't. But Google Earth exists. You can look at it on there. So, is it on Google Earth or is it blacked out? On Google Earth, you can see the the dry lake bed. Um. So, did you guys look at any of the um, the the town next to Area Fifty One, Rachel, Nevada? 
No. This is a. I know that it's a big like UFO mecca. Yeah, it's a really tiny town. Um, I think uh, um, some point in the the early two thousands, the state of Nevada nicknamed the highway the extraterrestrial highway to encourage okay. tourism. The town has like fifty three people. Um, but there's a hotel called the Little Alien. Um, which Yikes. is like kind of like um, it's a hotel, but also like a gift shop. There's people there go there, you know, all the time to to you know investigate this stuff. Um, then, like we talked about in 2019, there was the Facebook group that had like half a million people signed up to go to. Or no, I'm to sorry, storm it, was it. Two million people responded to the Facebook group Storm Area 51. There were uh, there were two. Um, music festivals that popped up alien stock and storm area 51 base camp where a few, a few thousand <laughs> a people, bunch of showed, people up. showed up but um the law enforcement agencies were ready and yeah. everyone was peaceful nothing happened right so this is now oh. a really good time for me to tell you guys about the time that i went to area 51 well shit yes goddamn joe uh, yes, I've been, I've been sitting on this. I bring that noise, man. Have been to Rachel, Nevada. It was one of the weirder experiences of my life. I did not know where we were. I didn't realize that we were in Rachel, Nevada until like later. And it's it, funny that you say this because I once accidentally drove onto Andrew, Andrews Air Force Base. So it's easy to do that, and Jesus. they're not kind when you do it. We oh yeah, they were go, like, "Get the fuck out of here now." No, we did go to Area Fifty One. So. When I was like 15, we went on a vacation to um, go see like Grand Canyon and all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We were driving around, and I think we, this is before everyone had a phone with GPS. I think we got kind of, my parents like got kind of lost. So we were looking for a place to get gas, and we needed to stop someplace so we could get some food. We stopped at a little pizza place, and it was a really tiny town, and everybody was looking at us really funny inside the pizza restaurant. And after we left a few days later, I realized. I think I was watching something on TV. I realized why everyone was giving us funny looks. They thought that we were like UFO tourists. (laughs) Uh. So I was like a block away from the fucking little alien, but I, we didn't go. And I, is that kind of like a grungy little town or was it like, it is a tiny town in the middle of the desert. Like the only reason to go there is because you need to get gas or your car is going to run out of gas in the middle of the desert and you're going to die. Like we were very worried that we were going to run, or I was very worried we were going to run out of gas. Maybe we weren't that close, but as a kid, you know, you you worry about weird stuff. So yes, sure. I I went to Area Fifty One, or at least as close to Area Fifty One as you can get without getting shot. One other quick um, conspiracy theory thing that I read about today, but I had not heard of before, is that um, it's speculated that Area Fifty One is a base for weather control, yes, as a means of attack, but this sort of thing was specifically banned in 1878 or 1978 by the UN environmental modification convention. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There's been various, I mean, we could go a tons of detail about there's, there were um, several people who have claimed to have worked at area 51 and that they worked with an alien named J rod. And there's just, Absolutely, like I, I think J Rod. J Rod is apparently. The did name they of specifically alien. work with? Yeah, they specifically worked with him in the year like two thousand two. Is he a baseball player? Yeah, or like yeah. 
Well, Bob Lazar is giant is, head. Bob Lazar is the main um, person who claimed this in uh, 1996. Yeah. There's a documentary Bob called Lazar. Dreamland um, that kind of popularizes, and that's what got you the alien autopsy, quote unquote, documentary, and all this stuff was sort of stemmed from this. He he first spoke out in '89, yeah, and says that he worked at Area 51 and that they had secret gravity space time manipulation propulsion technology recovered yeah. and reverse engineered from an alien spacecraft but there's no record of his credentials that he claims to have yeah and, and it can't be verified but his testimony um the documentary that i um watched yesterday kind of made it sound like his claim to fame was being on fucking joe rogan yeah yeah well, what, do you, what do you make of, of bob's art you know I think he is. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to ascribe motives to people. Yeah, it's like I think some combination of bullshitter. I think there's. I mean, I don't know. I think some of these people have problems in their life where these conspiracy theories like fill a, a need. I I I used to be a lot less sympathetic to these kind of folks, but I think because of recent. I think more damaging conspiracy theories like a good old fashioned crank like this is like seemingly a lot. Well, some of this, some of this stuff is just cool to learn about and talk about like the alien aspect or what, whatever. One of the other things that I read a little bit about was this idea of black stealth helicopters that are like pretty much silent and they ascribe a different bunch of different motivations to it. But they were talking about a guy who wrote a book and is talking about these helicopters and made this, gonzo ass leap that the book of revelations the things that it describes is actually like these black helicopters and like jesus that exactly doesn't Joe. have anything to do with anything well it's another one of these things where like there is a kernel of truth here because the u.s government did develop a black stealth helicopter it was called the there is such a thing as a helicopter it was called a comanche um they developed it at the end of the cold war i do not think this was developed at area 51 but they ended up canceling the project because they no longer needed that type of capability after the fall of the Soviet Union. But a lot of that technology was incorporated into other systems. The helicopters that were used during the raid uh, to kill Osama bin Laden probably had stealth technology. The, the point of these helicopters were everyone, especially in the 80s, was afraid of like, thousands of Soviet tanks storming across Eastern Europe. And so they developed this attack helicopter specifically to destroy Soviet tanks. That's how you get this. Anyway, my point being that you take this kernel of truth and then distort it into this wacky stuff. But yes, one of those helicopters that were involved in the Osama bin Laden raid got shot down. And so people oh. took pictures of the, the, they tried to destroy it because again, don't want anyone to know that we have these, but right. the tail section was uh, seen in pictures. So people were like, "Oh, that looks like the Comanche." So, and apparently they're very quiet. So anyway, I like planes. <laughs> I'm like a little kid, like who has like an intense interest. Hey, do you want to learn about airplanes? I will talk to anyone about tanks. We need to do an episode it. about tanks. 
We kind of did. Did we? We did one with Dave's dad, and we talked about thanks. Oh, oh yeah. Way. We talked about Rommel. We could do it again. Oh, I, I, I listened to that episode. So, uh, anything else about aliens? Well, I think we could do an entire episode about UFOs or that kind of stuff. This was pretty specifically about Area 51, but... The alien tie-in tie here is like uh, all the alien stuff that we got, we took there. But, uh, yeah, that's not real. It's one of these things where, uh, like we've talked about before in a few other different episodes, I just don't understand why it is more interesting to learn fake information than real information. I think for the past hour, we've been talking about some really cool Projects that develop the stealth airplanes um, and other things. I think that was fascinating to learn about. And I guess I would just rather spend my time learning about that than learning about imaginary things. I have long yeah. attended that if I knew as much about like math and science as I do about Star Wars and Star Trek, I would be a genius. <laughs> I mean, no I doubt. Mean, same for me. <laughs> If you saw the title of this episode and you thought that we're going to talk about aliens a lot, I would say, one, you're probably pretty new to the show. Probably pretty new to the show. And two, I think that there's an extent to which the the truth is stranger than fiction here. Yeah. Well, it's just the mystery with this situation. Like, right. We don't know all the details. Yeah. And I think the mystery sort of breeds curiosity and then people jump to... Um, bad leaps of conclusion about what what's there and yeah. if it's nefarious or not, or if aliens are involved or yeah. Well, you talk about secrecy and like whatnot. these leaps in technology. I mean, again, going back to you know the early '90s and the first Gulf War, it's hard to kind of put yourself back there. We debuted an aircraft that no one knew existed. That was could not be seen on enemy radar that was a completely foreign technology at that point that shocked the world so again that's where you get this kernel of truth to there was some bizarre exotic technologies being developed at this facility that just happened to be of terrestrial origin yeah fair enough all right well I don't know what we'll be talking about next week, but uh, maybe something a little bit more tangible. Yeah. Ain't nothing more tangible than them alien cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note. No cap. Dot, see you all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to an hour of our time. If you like what you heard, we encourage you to explore our catalog of over 150 episodes and rate and review on your platform of choice. And if you have any comments or episode topic suggestions, contact us at an hour of our time podcast at gmail.com.